What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Sports Yak Podcast brought to you by Look Trailers. Searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders, starting at $21 to $25 per hour. Located only 24 minutes from Goshen, 9 minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Visit LookTrailers.com. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity employer. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Welcome to episode 303 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the Randy Johnson episode? Randy Johnson. The big unit is what they used to call him. 303 major league wins for one of the tallest pitchers in big league history. Six foot ten out there on the mound, that imposing fastball. Then he'd break you off a curveball and just giggle as you swung haplessly at it. Terrific career pitching primarily for the Seattle Mariners, but also Arizona Diamondbacks. I think he wrapped it up with the Houston Astros. He's Randy Johnson. Boy, talking about throwing it down. Starting way high yeah. and throwing down at six foot ten. And then, you know, it's sixty feet six inches, but by the time he finishes that stride forward and releases the baseball, <laughs> it kind of narrows the gap a little bit. He's the guy that beamed the bird. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because I think the anniversary of that was sometime this week. It happened in spring training. He throws a fastball. A seagull is flying through in Florida. Boom. They intersect. Guess what? It didn't go well for the seagull. (laughs) Uh, Was your day off wonderful? We missed Monday's episode. We did miss Monday's episode, but my day off was wonderful. And I'll tell you why it was wonderful. It was a day off. It was 70 degrees. I got a lot done. And there was basketball on a Monday all day, baby. And it was great. And life was worth living. But I'll tell you what, this NCAA men's tournament, ladies and gentlemen, if you listened to the Yak last week and you listened to us make our picks in the first and second round, please destroy that episode from your devices. Just get rid of it because that well, that didn't go well. A, hang on a it second. It didn't go well here. for a lot of other people too. Hang on a second here. I feel like we were kind to USC yeah. because of your wife. They're mm-hmm. still playing. They're still playing. I believe I said Michigan is going to do well. Yes, they're we, still playing. Yeah. So there is hope. Oh no, there we have teams in there like uh for instance Gonzaga. We've been smart enough to say, "Hey, they're good. They're undefeated." <laughs> They're good. Uh, USC, we were kind to. Uh, Michigan, I think we spoke well of. Did We had UCLA getting eliminated like the first night by Michigan State. They're in the Sweet 16. Yeah. We had Illinois doing really, really well. And Sister Jean said, no, you're the state runner-up. Thanks for playing. You lose to Loyola of Chicago. Porter Moser's team, really good again. So the funny thing is, so there's there's all the talk of the upsets. You still have three number one seeds out there. Gonzaga is out there. Baylor is out there. 
and uh, the Michigan. other. And Michigan. So three number one seeds are still alive. Illinois, the only number one seed that's been knocked off by Loyola. Now, you've had a couple of number two seeds bite the dust. Iowa did not. Iowa against Oregon the other day was a, a classic in this tournament, the difference between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Remember, we heard all the ballyhoo all season, Corey, about, oh, the Big Ten is the best conference this year. In fact, it might be the best in college basketball history. Heard people say that. And the Big Ten has one team left, and that's Michigan. Meanwhile, the Pac-12, nobody talks about them. People make fun of them because Bill Walton, oh, the conference of champions, and, you know, Bill Walton doing a game is kind of a schizophrenic thing anyway. And what gets lost in that is there's some really good athletes in the Pac-12. And if you watched Oregon and Iowa on Monday, as I did, it just showed how slow. And Iowa is a team that likes to get up and down the floor. They score 84 points a game during the season. So they run and they're in transition. You would have never known it the way they played against Oregon. Oregon beat them down the floor constantly explosive team that Dana Altman has there with the Ducks. So they're going to wind up playing USC in the Sweet 16. USC has the Mobley brothers. And Evan Mobley probably going to be the number two pick in the NBA draft this year behind Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State. And in my mind, you could flip-flop them. So Evan Mobley, terrific player. Andy Enfield, who USC got from Florida Gulf Coast after Florida Gulf Coast surprised some people in the tournament Andy Enfield stock went up. USC says that's the kind of style of ball that we think will entertain. We want to put fannies in the seats. Can't put fannies in the seats in a pandemic during in California right now. But that's a fun team to watch. They get up and down the floor. UCLA with Mick Cronin, probably more of a traditional team. Uh, they've had the benefit of a pretty good draw. I thought BYU was seated way too high at number six. They knocked them off. They got the help from the fact that Abilene Christian pulled an upset in the first round, so UCLA played Abilene Christian in the second round. And now UCLA, at an 11 seed, finds itself in the Sweet 16. And then the other Pac-10 team that's out there is Oregon State, and Oregon State got hot and won the Pac-12 tournament. And admittedly, I think we poo-pooed them a little bit, but you watch them play. Man, they got some long lanky guys there that just cover a lot of space and they're tough to score against and they can put the ball in the hoop so you know three of the four pack 12 teams in my mind are probably more athletic than any team i saw in the big 10 this year you know you got a lot of coaches a lot of assistant coaches backup folks in indianapolis right now do you think anybody from muncie stopped by and talked to anybody about a head coaching position you mean bloomington bloomington is what i meant uh, I think what's going on right now with IU basketball is the athletic director, Scott Dolson, is doing his own search. And yeah, it would be easy to kind of swing by some rooms in Indy and maybe talk to somebody like a Chris Beard at Texas Tech. The question I put out on Twitter earlier today, and you can answer this at the 46 Sports Twitter site, is do you think... I use 
next head coach should be a former IU player. Mm. 63% right now say no. Get somebody who's new to the program that hasn't been on the inside. Mm -hmm. Now, there are other people who have the philosophy, the only way you're going to succeed at Indiana is to have somebody who already knows the culture there, embraces it, and then works within that. So that would be your former IU players. Mm. If you're talking about a coach who's been in Indianapolis this week, who's getting a lot of attention towards the IU job, that would be Chris Beard at Texas Tech. There are a lot of people who think Chris Beard coached under Bob Knight when Bob Knight was at Texas Tech and has some connections to Scott Dolson, the IU current IU athletic director. So there are some people who put that little triangle together and say the stars point towards Chris Beard. And Chris Beard has done nothing to say, I don't want the job. Unlike Brad Stevens, the coach of the Celtics, who a lot of people thought would want to come back to Indiana. Remember, he had great success at Butler. And Brad Stevens says, I do not want the Indiana job. I'm head coach in the NBA for the Boston Celtics. I'm very happy here. And that that logic of Stevens coming back to Indiana always befuddled me, nevertheless. So you've got Chris Beard. Uh, Another hot name right now is a former IU player by the name of Mike Woodson, who did coach in the NBA, is not currently coaching anybody right now, and would be available. And then there's the name John Beeline that comes up. And people say, well, John Beeline, my goodness, he's an old coach. He was at Michigan. He's out of coaching right now. The thought being you have Beeline kind of put the program back on firm footing and groom a successor under him to take over when he decides to retire, say, in four or five years. So those are the names I hear the most right now. But if you're asking me who the next IU coach is going to be, I don't know, and you don't either. The only person who knows who the next IU coach is going to be is Scott Dolson. And the reason there have not been a lot of leaks about this job is because Scott Dolson didn't go out and hire a search firm to do his search. He's doing it himself. So there's nobody else who knows who the coach is. Controlling the spin. Well, it controls the spin. It controls the amount of lakes. It allows him to try to build a rapport with whoever that person is going to be. Hmm. So that he feels... Because let's face it, as great as... A coach as Tom Allen is for IU football. IU is a basketball school. And Scott Dolson's evaluation is going to be based on how that basketball program does. That's why Fred Glass isn't around anymore. What is going well for IU right now is the NCAA Women's Tournament. They won their game the other night over VCU 63-32, played terrific defense, Terry Morin's team plays Belmont today in the round of 32, trying to get to the Sweet 16. You know who got to the Sweet 16 in the women's tournament for the first time ever? Michigan. They beat number three seed Tennessee yesterday, and they curb stomped them, 70 to 55. And so the Mays and Blue find themselves in the Sweet 16 of the women's tournament. Didn't go well for our local player, Kyle Gondrzyk at West Virginia. She and the Mountaineers lost to Georgia Tech yesterday by 15 as well. 
The one problem I've had with the women's tournament, Corey, has been a lot of the games have not been close. Yesterday, I think 15 points. Well, Stanford beat Oklahoma by 11, and that was the closest game. But when your closest games are all double digits, that's that's not good. A little lopsided. Yeah. So it's been a little bit of a tough watch. Michigan Madness has started. The boys' tournament got underway last night. Great win for Niles. They won just their third game this season. They roared from behind and beat Berrien Springs 57-55. Buchanan looked dominant against Dowagiak, winning 71-45. But you have to remember, the Michigan tournament, unlike Indiana, which has a blind draw, the Michigan tournament is seeded. So the best teams haven't even played yet. Your Lakeshore Lancers, they've been sitting on the sidelines waiting to see who lines up against them. And they'll wind up playing Niles, I believe, on on Thursday night. Um, Buchanan's got a good matchup with Edwardsburg in that district. That'll be an interesting game. That's a pair of nine-win teams. But the fact that the seeded teams haven't played yet, all these other games, they're nice. They're an exciting way to start the tournament. But you just wonder if any of those teams are capable of winning three games in a week especially when they have to face the top flight competition now. Look Trailers is searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders, starting at $21 to $25 per hour. If you're looking for work in a great atmosphere that's focused on safety, working smart, and bettering the team every day, then Look Trailers is for you. They're located only 24 minutes from Goshen and just 9 minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Their family of brands include Look Trailers, Pace American, Cargo Express, and Everlight Trailers. Fly online at looktrailers.com today. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity employer. But the hot team in town right now, Corey, is Notre Dame baseball. Off to another exciting start as they have been the last two years. Under the tutelage of the man who has picked up the phone today. Well, that's about the only mistake that he's made in his two years here at Notre Dame is <laughs> picking up the phone and talking to us. Link Jarrett, the head coach at Notre Dame. And, and Link, I had the opportunity to be around this team for about 10 years. Some good seasons, some not so good seasons in there. I know when you come in, you have to establish a culture. You have to establish your way of doing things. How did you do it in a way where this team has responded so quickly? Well, you evaluate what a team looks to be good at and what they needed some work on. Um, and, and you really start with trying to put the, the players in the best position on the field. And I think when you look around our infield, you see that we immediately made some adjustments. And that happened. As soon as we started fall practice, to be honest with you, um, we moved Nico to first base. Miller and Prizner kind of switched spots. And we saw Brannigan was just an extremely athletic kid and had never played third base. But it looked like that bettered our personnel group in the infield. So that was one thing we did. Um, then you try to find like, what each guy needs with his game to just improve individually. So as you go through fall practice, you are identifying the things that each kid needs to work on. You're trying to put them in the best position with their skills to help the team win. And then every day you practice, you're trying to get your terminology, um, your sign system, 
your bunt defense first and third, your picks and rundowns, fly ball communication, all of that is being taught as you're learning the players. Um, offensively, we're not where we need to be offensively right now. Um, we do a lot of things, you know, probably different than they had done before here. So them becoming accustomed to what we're trying to teach, um, game strategy, bunting, base running, it takes a lot. Um, and I had never coached with any of these coaches. So last summer, last fall, I guess it would be the summer and fall of 19, you're trying to make sure the coaches understand like what they're relaying to the team in terms of my system. Sure. So it takes a lot of work. Um, but the fall is very detailed. It's competitive. Um, we're outside where the preseason were essentially indoors the whole time. So you have to take advantage of those falls. And for me as a new coach with new assistant coaches, don't know any of the players, you, you better make the most of every fall and every meeting and every hour that you get to practice. So that's where it starts. And then just attention to detail and you know attention to what they're doing academically. Nick Maneri uh, does a fantastic job with our team academically, but we, we take it very seriously. And we're one of the only schools that's been in-person class all year this year. And our guys have been dealing with the COVID stuff since August 10th. And, you know, we're a third of the way through our season, and they've been dealing with this since, I mean, they're going on that long. I don't know what that is, seven, eight months of it. Mm-hmm. So it's been a grind, but it's been a, a grind that's been fruitful, and we've seen these guys improve. Um, we've won some, some tough ball games. Um, so it's, it's enjoyable to see that we've made – you know, some progress. You see it individually, and you see it, you know, with the team winning some some tough games. We had Nico Cavadas on the Yak last year after the season ended, and he talked about uh, the progress that he was making. And, and I know you and I talked about this after the game on Sunday, where Nico has made the most progress is probably defensively. But, man, he's fun to watch hit. And, and Link, correct me if I'm wrong on this, I look at him, and maybe it's because he's a left-handed hitter and maybe because it's the way he's built and where's number 12. I kind of see Kyle Schwarber when I see Nico Cavadas. Yeah, that's a, that's a good comparison. Um, just a tremendous power, strength, and the ability to stay on the ball. He's not trying to pull balls to hit balls out. It's almost the opposite. Like, he stays on the ball and keeps that barrel working inside the path of the ball a long time and creates tremendous backspin and lift and power and more of his home runs are to center field and left field. Um, I played against David Ortiz for a while in the minor leagues. I see I see that sort of strength. You know, Ortiz might have been a little taller, but mm-hmm. it's a similar swing. Um, you know, Nico manages his at bat well. He he thinks through how he's being pitched, and, um, you know, it, it, the pride he has in the at-bat, it shows. And, and the skill and the power are pretty obvious, but if you're not managing the at-bat and swinging at the right pitches and, and finding yourself on time at the plate, then the power is just not going to show up. So that's probably where I've seen some progress is just the overall quality of the at-bat. And you want that batting average to continue to – to stay in the threes. And, um, 
doing that right now. And shoot, we've played one non-ACC game. So to not be outside and see live pitching and jump into Wake Forest and Clemson and Virginia, you know, it it's a tribute to how prepared he was and how hard he works at his craft. Now you have the evil empire coming to town. Uh <laughs> this is a team that carries itself with a swagger, and they've earned the right to carry themselves that way. Louisville comes in, ranked number seven. It's the first time there's ever been a top 15 matchup between two teams at Frank Eck. Notre Dame has not beaten Louisville, I want to say, since 2011. How amped up do you get for this series? How do you keep your team kind of in the groove that they're in right now? Um, I mean, it- they know that they've played um, some really good teams. And we have a different style of playing. I would say our style, um, you, you've seen it a little bit. We run the bases, mm-hmm. and we, we have a pretty versatile offense. It hasn't been as good as I would like it to be, but Louisville does the same thing. So you really you've prepared to play them because you've practiced and scrimmaged yourself so much. You know, Louisville's got – 56 stolen bases right now. Um, now, they've played more games than we have, but a lot of stolen bases. Yeah, that's a lot. So we, we, we've played less games, um, so our stolen base ratio is still lower. So you know the athleticism and the pressure is there, and that's why they're good. Like, they pressure you. Um, they have pressured teams into making mistakes. They're very athletic. Like, they do a great job of recruiting, um, and they have deep pitching like it's it's an elite team so you know the, the guys just mentally they're, they're going to be dialed in it's more staying within the context of what we do um you're playing them but you can't try to to match what they're doing you, you just have to play your game you just have to play your game our our pitching you guys have seen how creative we've been with who starts and how we use our bullpen, you know, that's something we feel like we, we have to do. Um, and we'll try to do our best to mix and match against them and give them the toughest possible look um, inning in and inning out on the mound. Um, but it's, it's a really good team. Like, there, there's no secret to how you're going to have to beat them. You're going to have to execute. You're going to have to play sound baseball. And you have to be timely offensively because you're not going to get a ton of opportunities to just sit there and bang away and score runs and bunches. So you have to make the most and capitalize when you get those chances against a really good pitching staff. So I know our guys will be amped up. We're not changing what we what we do because of who we play, and that could have gone for opening day. It goes for Tuesday afternoon. It goes for Friday. You have to try to play within your – team concepts and skills and, and let the chips fall with a day. Coach, this is the first time we've gotten to speak to you since taking the job, the the head coaching position. If you don't mind, and I'm I'm the nerdy one of the two that's the, you know, I'm out in left field sitting there watching the ball game. What was it like when you saw that head coach jersey, putting that on for the first time? Uh, are you a nostalgic guy? Was that a big moment for you? Um, what was that like? Well, you know, it, this is, it's such a special place. Like everything about Notre Dame, it just, it just screams excellence to me. And it, it always has. I, I felt that way when we played against them when I was in college. The, the only year I didn't go to the College World Series as a player, Notre Dame knocked, knocked us out. 
Um, and I just always have felt so strongly about what Notre Dame represents. And um, to put that jersey on, now we're going back a little ways, but <laughs> to put that jersey on um, last year at UAB and walk out there and know that you're, you know, you're getting off the bus and you're leading that program um, onto a field to play, like it's really just a very cool feeling. And when this job came open, my <laughs> my son, who's a senior at NC State, plays on the team, good player. Um, you know, he told my wife, "Dad's going to get the job at Notre Dame." Like that's that's kind of what the and I never knew that until after the fact. But it just seemed like this lined up, and um, you know, it's magical every time you get to go out there and you hear the. Here come the Irish song, and the guys take the field, and you know you're walking through the airport with the the monogram logo on. It just it means a lot to me, and it feels it feels good, it feels right. You've had to manage this team you mentioned through this pandemic, and this year college baseball teams have expanded rosters. My goodness, how do you manage? It's tough enough managing a roster of 35. Now you've got. 45 guys available, and then you limit it to 35 on the weekends. How do you manage all these people? That's, that's tough. You know, and you've got, you've got so many kids. And the other programs are the same way. I, there were kids last year that didn't get drafted because the major league draft was it's five rounds. And, and those five rounds were over and done before you felt like it even got started. So there were a lot of guys on our team and Louisville and all over the country that that had that taken away from them and it's a dream opportunity it's also a financial piece too you know there's a lot of money at stake oh in, yeah in those draft picks um so you have some guys back that are probably initially a little disappointed to be quite honest with you because they didn't expect to to have this situation arise um then you have to recruit so you've got these kids that have been waiting in some cases for years. Now, this year, the only real recruiting we did were the were the grad transfers and the transfers. So, Bertrand and Sheridan and Scafidi and Cole up and Joyer. I mean, those were the guys that we really got. Where the other kids have been committed, and that that recruitment happened long before I was named coach. So, um, their expectation was to come in here and play. They weren't expecting like the non-drafted guys to be back. So it's a, it's a log jam. And you got to just tell these – we tell these guys all the time, your moment is going to come. It may not have been like when you thought it was coming, but it's coming. So like your T.J. Williams and your Brock Murphys and Denny's who pitched last night, like some of these good young players, it's, it's coming. You just have to – you have to be patient. And like today at practice, we – some of the guys that haven't gotten at bats and haven't gotten on the mound, we'll continue to, to grade them and score them just like we did in the preseason. And we don't scrimmage this time of year, but the pitchers and hitters have their confrontations and we still score it. We don't score this in terms of whether it's a hit or not. We, we kind of score the quality of the pitching, the quality of contact. You know, obviously the walk and the strikeout is pretty easy to, to determine, but we try to keep them engaged with knowing that we're still watching and scoring. And, um, you know, we just, we haven't gotten all of the guys involved in the competition yet on the field in games, but we just try to keep them engaged as best we can. And they know they're a part of something that's working well right now. And that helps. 
Uh, but you do feel for them a little bit because there's just so many guys and so many expectations changed Sure. Um, starting last June, really. With that in mind, let me ask you about two local kids. We've already talked about Nico, but you've got Ryan Lynch from Penn and Brady Gum from St. Joe on your roster. Uh, what have you seen from them so far? First of all, just great kids. I mean, great, selfless kids. Like, they'll do anything they can to help the team. Um, you see it every day. Both of them are around guys that are much older, more experienced, um, but their futures in the program are bright. Lynch at times has shown that he's got that good power fastball. Um, you know, it plays probably harder than the radar gun would tell you, but it holds its flight. It, he's got a good curveball. Um, his changeup is coming along. His changeup has not been probably as good as his curveball right now, but, you know, we'll work on it again today. Um, and he, he's professional about his work. Like, he goes about his work. Um, he kind of stays within himself. And, and he's going to be just fine here. And he was on there last night. He was hot last night to be one of our, our pitchers to go in the game. It just it didn't work out that he was able to get in there. Um, Brady, we see tremendous power. Um, we, we've seen it more probably in his batting practice settings than in his actual live at-bats. But, again, it, that's a maturity thing, and I think it comes with some time. Whether he plays a ton this spring matters not to me. I know he wants to, but, you know, that next fall, when we crank this back up, if he hasn't had a ton of at-bats this spring, he's going to learn so much after watching what has gone on at this level, with this level of player and who we're playing against. I think sometimes that helps the development of the player, watching what happens around you. And then his outfield skills are, are good. Um, you know, we use him in right field quite a bit. He could play left field. He secures the ball very well. You know, his first step, that's something we're, we're working hard with him on, is just his, his read of the ball and that first step and then the closing capability. He catches it. Um, but, you know, you see with, with Cole and Coatsy and some of the other corner guys we have that um, they're, they're almost center field type. Mm-hmm. players and we use in the corners and our field is big and that wind is <laughs> always blowing so you have to have good accurate first step awareness and jump and speed enough to get to some of these tricky balls that we deal with at our at our park so he's going to be just fine he and lynch both will be big parts of this it's just again you're, you're dealing with the oldest and most experienced talented college baseball landscape than anybody's ever seen. So for the freshmen anywhere, this is a tricky little project for you when you're, when you're dealing with all the guys back. For those of you who have ACC Network Extra, Friday at 4, Saturday at 2, Sunday at 1, number 12, Notre Dame, number 7, Louisville. Link, when you get the first win against the Cardinals, and I think it'll be Friday night, but when you get that first win, just tell whoever interviews you, that's for the boys on the yak. <laughs> on the yak, got it. I will tell them, and hopefully it is Friday. It's a well-played, clean game, and uh, we keep having this nice, warm weather, and I, I look forward to that win. Look Trailers is searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders, starting at $21 to $25 per hour. If you're looking for work in a great atmosphere that's focused on safety, working smart, and bettering the team every day, then Look Trailers is for you. 
They're located only 24 minutes from Goshen and just nine minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Their family of brands include Look Trailers, Pace American, Cargo Express, and Everlight Trailers. Fly online at looktrailers.com today. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity employer. Let's talk a little bit about Cubs and White Sox. They played yesterday on Marquee. Did you happen to see any of that? I saw it on my Xfinity I turned it on, there was a commercial, and it was bedtime, so I had to opt out. Now, they played in the afternoon, so you were seeing it was the, the replay. rebroadcast. Yeah. So have you seen your boy Bugshambi yet? I settled in for the Reds-Cubs game. I was so excited. I and knew then you I got Pat Hughes. I got, uh, <laughs> was J.D. doing that game as well? I think it was Pat and J.D., and then yesterday was Boog and Ryan Dempster. There have not been a lot of Boog and J.D. games yet. Yeah. Are they just rotating? Are they moving people around? They What's the are. Word? They are. Boog still does some stuff for ESPN oh. and ESPN Radio. And so there are going to be some fill-in people like Beth Moens. Like, uh, I don't think Pat's ever going to come over from radio during the year. But because radio does a lot of NCAA tournament, the, the station the Cubs are on carries a lot of tournament games. Uh, Pat has been doing some TV and it, it's interesting to see these different combinations. The more I watch Boog, the more I like him. Really? Yeah. And you're a hard egg to crack. Well, here's what I like about him is because of all the time that he has spent at ESPN where they overproduce games, <laughs> he's able to handle these in-game interviews that they've been doing, whether it's with Cubs administration, talking about tickets, or player interviews that they have in the dugout, which you're not going to have those during the regular season, but it's a nice feature in the spring training games. Right. And he's able to handle those pretty well. But when he's calling the game and they're talking about things, he's able to take a lot of these kind of newer stats and at least put them into terms that I understand. Okay. So I, I think you'll enjoy that about him. I prefer Jim Deshays over Ryan Dempster as an analyst because I think Deshays does better homework. I think Ryan Dempster sometimes relies on the comedy routine that he does. And and so as a play-by-play announcer, you have to kind of play to your, your partner's strength. And so when it's – not that J.D. can't go off onto tangents as well, but – I think Shambi and J.D. tend to talk a little more hardcore baseball, and when he's working with Dempster, it's kind of more periphery type thing. I had a friend reach out to me who grew up an Atlanta Braves fan, and he was slightly jealous but knew what we were getting ourselves into with Boog, and he was very complimentary. But he loved growing up listening to Boog in Atlanta. Tell you what, the Cubs yesterday played the White Sox. They lost 3-1. But the most impressive thing for the Cubs yesterday was the pitching of Jake Arrieta. He looks like the Jake Arrieta of old. Okay. The three seasons he spent in Philadelphia, he kind of got away from that, and it didn't work well for him. He's come back to Chicago. His breaking ball looks very sharp. He threw <laughs> – he had a 2-0 count on Tim Anderson yesterday. And Tim Anderson, for my money, may be the best player on the White Sox. So if you're Tim Anderson, you're sitting there waiting for a fastball on 2-0 count, and Arietta threw him a sinker on the inside corner that I think Tim Anderson missed by a foot. I mean, that ball just darted downwards, and and you could tell Anderson afterwards was like, holy cow, did that thing go down. So Arietta's got some sharp breaking pitches. 
if they can get him and Hendricks at the top of that rotation going one two, that's a that's a really good sign for the Cubs going into the year. As I was watching the White Sox, the kid that impressed me most out of the bullpen was this kid named Garrett Crochet. And I knew you'd love the name because... Because <laughs> I love names. Yeah. First round pick out of Tennessee last year. So they took him last summer in the draft. This guy throws some heat. I mean, he he was peppering the radar gun between 96 and 100 on a regular basis out of the pen. And if he ever develops a, a breaking pitch, oh, that won't be fair. Mm. <laughs> that won't be fair. So did he sweep the rug that he crocheted? Well, see, the problem is if he crochets it, there's some holes in his game. Nice. Morning corny at 8.50, I pulse it. He'll have to blanket those hitters, Chuck. He'll have to blanket them with his crochet needles. So <laughs> this has been a lengthy episode, but I want to get in some overrated, underrated, because I think the fans demand it. They, they demanded it. We've heard the people. They've tweeted, let's go. Lengthy career for Mr. Neil Young. Where do you stand on him? You have to, as a vinyl enthusiast, have the Harvest record in your collection. I agree. And go ahead and drop down the money for a new one. Don't get one that's been worn out. And the reason why it's worn out is because it's a classic. Yes. I would say, in the grand scheme of Americana rock and roll music, underrated. I would agree. I I think... You have to remember his years with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. You have to, obviously, in the seventies, he was huge. A lot of his greatest hits come from that Harvest album. Yes, and in the seventies. But you, you know what? Neil Young was still relevant, eighties, nineties, and even the early aughts. He was considered one of the top artists. Still, I like his feistiness. Well, I like that too. And I like the fact that he got under people's skin so much that he gets mentioned in Psalms. <laughs> you know, Sweet Home Alabama yeah. is all because Leonard Skinner got all ticked off at Neil Young. Now, they got a hit out of it, and it's a great song. Right. But the fact that Neil Young got under their skin so much that they write lyrics in the song about Neil Young, who else gets that? So... That gets that gets major props in my book for Neil Young. You going underrated? I'm going underrated, yeah. All right. The acting talents of a Reese Witherspoon. It was her birthday the other day, and I did a little deep dive because here's the scientific. Got to have five hit movies. You got to have five hit movies that I can name. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. Legally Blonde. Huge hit. Um... Legally Blonde 2, not a hit. No, that was a money grab. Um, Mud with Matthew McConaughey. Which is his favorite movie that he has made. Mm -hmm. I've heard that. Let's go ahead and put that on the list. Uh, Monsters vs. Aliens. She voiced it. It is a great animated movie. You like that one, huh? Very funny. I I would say I love that one. Now, let 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 me bypass a little bit to some streaming shows. Let's add that to the list. The morning show on Apple TV. Yeah, she's good in that. Really good in that. Yeah. The it's either Hulu or Amazon. It's Hulu. It's the little little lies show with um Carrie Washington. Yeah. That was decent. 
and the HBO show with uh, the Nicole Kidman and the Zoe Kravitz uh, uh, and Laura Dern. I think it's called Big Little Lies. Well, I think wasn't that adapted from the movie? Didn't she have a movie like that too? That did pretty well. I'm 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 drawing a blank, but I will say this. And when you said to me this morning who you were putting on the list, I'm going underrated. Really, I think she's awesome. She reads a book a day, a book a day. Well, that's great that she's so well educated. She's looking for obviously stuff to work on for future projects because she's a producer. Yeah, but she cranks through books and buys the rights to them very quickly. Like it's a running joke in Hollywood. Like, hey, who has the rights to this show? We want to do a series. Oh, it's a it's a Witherspoon produced deal. I go underrated though. I'm gonna go overrated. Oh, here it comes. And I'm there are there are some stinkers in here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, now I don't think you gave her credit though for Walk the Line, uh, uh, Academy Award for Walk the Line. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one. Home Again, um, Wild, I know, was critically acclaimed. I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> Water for Elephants. Hot Pursuit. Yeah, throw that one. That away. was purely a money grab. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Good Lie was the one that I was thinking of. Not Big Little Lies, but The Good Lie. Reese Witherspoon has done a lot of lying. Early in the career, Cruel Intentions, Election, yeah. Election is an underrated movie. Yeah. I might have to change and go down the middle for her. I'm not going to give her underrated. Uh, I think she's on a lot of people's radar and gets a lot of credit. But, um, yeah, down the line. She's a fun follow on the TikTok as well. She leans a little mom, always doing stuff with her kids, but she's got a good sense of humor. Yeah, you, you would lean a little bit of mom if you're, you know, what, she's... 45? Uh, 1976. Yeah, 45. Southern Baptist gal. All right. I feel like this is a good episode for the people. Yeah. Hot Pursuit, by the way, gets a 7% rating from Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) 7%. (laughs) I saw you on Twitter the other day at 46 Sports. You were reaching out to Twitter themselves. Yeah. Who, Where's my blue check mark? Who had a blue check mark that you did? Oral didn't? Roberts men's basketball got a blue check mark. Oh, are because you? Because they sat there and begged for it. Well, first of all, how do you go about getting one of them anymore? There's some clowns working in this town who have blue check marks that have no business having blue check marks. And your boy Chuck doesn't have one right now. I'm ticked. Ticked! Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode much like this one. Yeah, because you wouldn't want to miss this one. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga, Randy Johnson, you big unit, you. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Sport Check Podcast brought to you by Look Trailers. Searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders, starting at $21 to $25 per hour. Located only 24 minutes from Goshen, 9 minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Visit LookTrailers.com. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity employer. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.